Hello Manoj thanks for joining the middle road for another sizzling podcast it's taken some time but finally we are connected thank you nishant it's really great talking to you manoj you are head of institutions innovation and entrepreneurship at one of the most prestigious outside foundations in india tata trust and you are ceo of india health fund and you are doing a lot of work there and which is what we'll be talking about you also are the founder of social alpha a non-profit lab to market incubator which is kickstarting lot of entrepreneurship within the social ecosystem through innovation and investment in science and technology so you have a very unique model in india for nurturing social startups both at social alpha and the india health fund you work with multiple actors within the social ecosystem in your multiple collaborative model how do you channelize your energies in balancing your companies funds vision and mission uh, at social alpha when we started the whole idea was to build uh, an ecosystem uh, which brings incubation accelerator investment ecosystem together if you look at social impact investing space everything is happening in silos and it's not really you know connected uh, and there are multiple incubators multiple investors but we are still not looking at solving the most complex problems that the country faces using science and technology so what we do in social alpha we we partner our, our model is based on partnership and collaboration we don't do anything that others also do we actually leverage our partnership with others right and and using this you know partnership driven collaborative model uh, we search for innovators and entrepreneurs who need our support and help uh, we provide them access to capital access to market access to expertise ex- access to lab infrastructure and help them take their products from lab to market at india health fund is slightly different india health fund uh, is a fund focused on eliminating neglect you know neglected uh, infectious diseases like tb malaria vector borne diseases so at india health fund we are focused on searching for innovators which can be then taken on the clinical and regulatory pathways and eventually can be injected in the health system through pri- private sector as well as public sector so there is some synergy between what we do in social alpha and india health fund but there you know social alpha's mission is to promote entrepreneurship while india health fund's mission is to co- collaborate and uh, partner with health system and fill in the gaps especially when it comes to diseases like tb and malaria and within that focus focus on innovation and not on the implementation or research side of it social alpha you have a lot of things which are very pertinent to the underserved markets you know we you talked about your lab to market initiative you're taking this this on this quality education affordable health care as well as clean tech and sustainability to just name a few now you incubate social startups to make them sustainable for a long term in the world of patient capital how long do you think the time is for you to look for before you capitalize on your investments that's a great question nishant this is actually why, you know this is the reason why we started social alpha 
then fundamentally you know if you compare what we are doing in social alpha with the mainstream investment world we are basically looking at three aspects one is the patient right how patient is the capital which means what is the time horizon how long would you like to stay invested in a company i think it could be anything from 5 years to 15 years it's not a 3 year 30% irr game so if you have willingness and ability to remain invested for a long term and you know very well that in some cases there may not be an exit right that means you are really looking at patient capital and and the as of today the only suppliers of that patient capital are either philanthropy or government right what we are trying to do is to evaluate assess and try if we can de-risk this sector and make it attractive for the private capital to come in i don't think we are there yet but the aspiration is to be there at some point of time the other two things which actually we miss when we talk about patient capital that the patient capital is one part of the story you also need investors who have the empathy for the cause right because that empathy will actually drive the you know patient investment and the last is even if you have the empathy and willingness to remain invested for a long term and and ability to remain patient also and a realization of the fact that you are actually investing in a high risk area so it is possible that on a risk reward equation your return may not be commensurate with the risk that you are taking so once that realization is there you know at, at the end of it that realization will come or that acceptance of patient capital will come only if there is empathy so empathy is extremely important i personally think that social impact investing even if it makes money for you over a period of time has to start with the fact that you need to do social good right so the intent of your investment is philanthropic right the operating model of your investment is venture investing so how do you you know play with two different games one is driven by greed and other is driven by empathy right so that's that's the conflict that you will always have when you are working in this space it's not plain vanilla impact investing it's much more than that no you rightly said you know so the gen recently you know did its own analysis that came out at some of the people who want market returns so when you're looking at you're fine with like okay some of the companies will give me market returns some of the companies might just give me below par and you're comfortable with that right that is what you're saying is your philosophy is driven by empathy you're looking at long term investor but you're fine that even if you get a return which is below the market that's fine in terms of risk capital which you do so you are defining the market right for some people market return could be x right but they are not really investing in this market so when you say market return you cannot say that i am expecting a market return of x in social impact investing it's different there will be muted return or there may not be returns right so the thing is you cannot start with the return you have to start with impact and if you are thinking impact first eventually there may or may not be high returns right so once you start making money in social impact investing then you would realize whether market is there 
at what level and is it good enough for you to invest or not. But to start, you cannot assume that you will make a lot of money in this space, right? And, and, and any such assumption is wrong because nobody has actually invested. So until and unless you curate science and technology startups, build the product, take, take those products to market, solve the problem where people are willing to pay for your solutions, then at some point of time you will realize this, yeah, this, this makes sense. This, this is a market. And, and then you are creating new markets, right? The whole idea is to create new market. You cannot replace the existing market. You need to create new. If you are creating new market, you need new players, right? So how do you attract new capital, new players into this market? You know, you, you talked about something which is very, uh, very defining. You know, attracting private capital. That, that's why SDG, the 17 goal is there. And you're doing something in India which is like very futuristic. You know, you have been ahead of the curve. You have come into this market. You are trying to build that market. Now, when you're, when we're talking about building up the market, you know, trying to you know, come out maybe tomorrow, you'll be coming out with blended finance ways of, um, you know, maybe coming out and trying to fund some of the companies. What have been the main, uh, you know, challenges which you have faced? So, I think the biggest challenge is, there are two, two challenges, right? Both are on the pipeline, right? You need to build pipeline of entrepreneurs and you need to build pipeline of money that you can invest in these entrepreneurs, right? And the challenges exist in both sides. Science and technology startup or product startup is, is high risk activity and a lot of people, uh, you know, find it very difficult to get into that. Uh, so, attracting entrepreneurial talent in this space is difficult. So, a lot of work we do with educational institutions, research centers, uh, universities in India and outside India to just search for such entrepreneurs, right? And then, how do you find the capital, right? Today, we, we get money from, uh, you know, philanthropy, we get money from corporations, we get money from government of India. Uh, but all the money that we get is not significantly large. It's good enough to do the seed finance, uh, you know, early stage seed round, maybe something like $100,000. But when you need to, you know, invest a larger amount of money, and then there's a big gap between what you can do and what VCs would want to do, right? So the whole, uh, I would say, market for investing in these companies uh, is facing this big gap between uh, where VCs are interested in investing versus where where you need money to come in. So these are the challenges. I think every market would have faced these challenges in the early evolution of those markets, right? In 1970s and 80s, I don't think any private sector player would want to build roads and dams and power plants, right? It was all done by only public sector. Today, you see a lot of work actually happens in private sector. So I think market will evolve. Uh, the private sector will get into areas like energy trading or, uh, you know, utilities. And as as new markets are created, uh, new, uh, you know, capital is deployed, consumers will see value in that. And once consumers start seeing value, uh, market will grow. So you talked about seed investing. Now you invest on an average uh, range could be from fourteen thousand dollars to one hundred forty thousand dollars. So we 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 have done as low as uh, twenty thousand dollars, as high as two hundred thousand dollars, right? 
in in most cases you know our sweet spot is okay number one uh, if you are not the first investor it means market adjust right so we avoid i would not say we don't do it but we avoid becoming second or third investor right uh, so we try to find uh, startups where they are searching for capital have great idea great product idea uh, has have the right execution potential but have not been able to raise money right and that's what that's our sweet spot which effectively demonstrates that early stage investment market is not available to those entrepreneurs uh so you know we prefer being the first investor and we prefer taking anything between 10% to 20% in the company uh and then uh, you know at some point of time as the company's business model deteriorates and they are able to bring in uh, next round of investors and we work with them and help them then at some point of time if investors or entrepreneurs want us to get out we get out right so our our terms are very simple we don't have onerous term sheets or you know uh, agreements with with our founders we try to keep it simple we adjust for entrepreneurs we are a non profit so we don't have any vested interest in keeping more equity or making more money so everything and anything that we do it is actually designed to help and support entrepreneurs even if there is a clause in the term sheet or a shareholder agreement which may appear as if it supports us it's because being the first time uh, you know uh, first uh, investor in the company we would want to make sure that we are able to protect our founders interest at the end of it everything comes down to entrepreneurs and their interest and we help them support them yeah sometimes you have 60 ventures which and these are also very much lot in technology space yeah. so we have seen incubated 60 and invested about 35 out of 60 we don't invest in every company we incubate so we incubate uh, then we curate them and then we see whether we need to invest and then we don't write the whole amount to them we give them a small amount of money and we see whether they are executing at the end of it you know there's there's so many people with ideas uh execution matters right so we focus more on execution capability of entrepreneurs than the brilliance of their idea right so brilliant ideas are necessary but not sufficient the most important part is execution so we focus on that Talked about taking about ten percent, ten to twenty percent. You are talking about equity. That's am I, did yeah. I correct? So, so for example, if mm-hmm. uh, if we invest say five crore rupees uh, valuation about a million, okay, uh, at a valuation of say five crore rupees, mm-hmm. uh, for it for ten percent, basically you are talking about fifty lakhs. Fifty lakhs, right? Uh, for a company which is raising money for the first time, it's not a bad deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people have asked us actually, why do you give such a nice valuation to the company and i said uh, you know nobody knows how to do valuation everybody works on some models right no, there is no validation of that and at the end of it the traditional models of valuation uh, like dcf and all that are all based on assumptions right so instead of getting into those assumptions and and talking about cash forecast at a time when your product is not even ready to go to market uh, it, it doesn't make much sense so we we basically give them a valuation of 5 to 10 crore and take you know 10 to 20% in the company which which works out very well for them and then at some point of time if the big investors come in uh, we we get diluted as much as the founders get diluted which is fine 
So basically, you, uh, this is of course another way is that you wait for the, if they ever want to go for an IPO, but you look more like for a strategic buyer, and that's how you. So we haven't done any, you know, we haven't done much on that because it's just too very young. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. But but we are cool about it. Right? We just, we are not in a hurry to get out of the company. Uh, at some point of time, you know, if new investors want us out or uh, company founders have the ability to buy us back. Okay, thanks. But, so, something I really loved about your company is this multiple actors. You have this collaboration where you bring in academicians, you bring in philanthropic institutions or foundations and subject matter experts. And then you also invest, I mean, I was looking at your 60 uh, odd companies which are incubated and 35 which you have invested. Uh, they are across sectors. It's not like your sector agnostic, maybe with very focused in social space, but you, you go into an artificial intelligence, you could go into something affordable, uh, you know, healthcare. So, how does this collaboration work? There's so many actors. How do we manage this? So, so it's, it's not as complex as it sounds. It's very simple. So, we have we have identified some sectors where we work. Okay. So, for example, we don't work in financial inclusion because this sector has got decent at- attention from all players, microfinance companies have been working in this space for a long time. You have several, uh, you know, incubators and investors who are working on fintech, uh, financial inclusion space. So we identified some areas. So one of the areas we identified was healthcare, medical devices, right? Uh, water, sanitation, agriculture, assistive technologies, right? Disability. Not many people focus on that. So when we say social impact, we basically have, you know, this approach where we identify a sector and see whether the startup activity in that particular sector is active or not. If the startup activity is not much, it means that sector is not getting enough attention either from innovation side or from investment side, right? And then like clean clean energy, right? And then uh, we build a thesis around it, right? And then we consult a number of experts, stakeholders, uh, corporations, uh, academicians, individuals who are playing in that space. We build problem statements, curate them and identify some areas where innovation is required and where we can you know, initiate some startup activity. So each sector has got a dedicated team of two or three people, an advisory board kind of you know, structure where experts in that particular sector can advise us, right? So if you look at our energy team, then the energy team is advised by people who have been working in energy, power, utility, clean tech, you know, uh, uh, renewable space for a long time and have a, have a good understanding of that. So our model is bottoms up, problem statement driven, thesis driven, right? And then we search for innovators and entrepreneurs who are working in that. So it's not difficult, right? It's replicable. And then as you mentioned, AI and other things, these are horizontal technologies, right? So whether it's AI or blockchain or robotics or, you know, any technology, mm-hmm. that's hot. It can it can have imp- a, an implementation in healthcare or agriculture. Anywhere. So, uh, and then we have some lenses through which we look at our portfolio, right? So one of the lenses, climate change. Another lens is poverty elimination. Another lens is gender. So we evaluate the portfolio that whether companies in our portfolio are helping in climate change. Are we reducing the cost of healthcare? Are we making, uh, you know, uh, 
life of a farmer better by reducing the input cost by improving the farming uh, you know farm productivity by reducing the post harvest loss so these are the questions that we ask right so when you say impact how do you evaluate impact do you evaluate impact by asking this question what what are you doing right if you cannot reduce cost of products and services or if you cannot make them more accessible or you cannot improve user experience for a person who is not who has been denied good quality products for example or can't reduce drudgery for example in agriculture then it's not impact right so at the end of it you cannot define impact in in quantitative terms but you can ask very specific question so if someone comes with a new medical device first question is okay so what does it do does it reduce the cost of healthcare does it make it easier for a nasa worker or a primary health worker to use this device does it improve the accuracy of a diagnosis right does it is it is it easier for a, a, a medical professional or a health professional to use this device no so you can ask these questions and once you ask this question you can say okay yeah this product is for elite or this product is for masses this right something that reduces expenditure something that increases income eventually increases cash in hand for for the masses and they can then spend that money in anything right so entrepreneurship by definition is very powerful right entrepreneurs take risk entrepreneurs create market entrepreneurs create jobs and they actually accelerate and catalyze economic activity right so this is how we evaluate sometimes you may see a company in our portfolio they may that may not look like social impact investment but it is because it's generating jobs for example right or, or we have waste management companies in our portfolio they have triple bottom line they are solving the problem of waste disposal they are creating livelihood opportunity for waste and sanitation workers and of course they are making money for the investors so very important for india i mean waste very very waste is our area of you know very focus important Oh, fantastic you know you you very detailed you you covered up very specific areas that is really nice now how do you define your revenue and business model if i were to ask you one is of course uh, you pick up the equity stake is there any other way which you are going to be essentially uh, have cost right we pay salaries we pay rent so we have cost so part of this you know is covered by philanthropic grants and support that we get from our supporters Uh, we have not yet started large scale fundraising but we will do that at some point of time uh, uh, but eventually i think at some point uh, we do, really don't need more money uh, for ourselves we need money to invest in these yes. companies and help these innovators and entrepreneurs build their product but at some point of time you know if, if our assumption is right and we are able to really create new markets uh, and our companies really perform well and some exits happen we will end up actually making some money and that can be an you know a pool of money that that sustains social help over a period of time i think by at that point of time i think my job is done yeah i mean that, that itself would be if social help can perpetually run on its own internal cash accruals mm-hmm. and still create impact by promoting entrepreneurship and innovation i think i think it will run like a perpetual machine then we don't really have to worry about it we just need to hire you know a solid uh, you know executive team and live 
so when you talk about that you get a lot of grants is i presume first of of course is from tata trust i mean that would be the major so problem. we have support we are we are supported by tata trust we are also supported by government of india government. Uh, we are supported by department of science and technology department of biotechnology birec we are supported by niti aayog we are supported by gates foundation we are supported by few international foundations we are also supported by corporate csr yeah so we have multiple uh, you know uh, sources okay. that we tap today and hopefully in 4 to 5 years we will have you know a self sustaining model because see we are promoting entrepreneurship and uh, i think we have to also make sure that the entrepreneurship promotion itself becomes an activity that can sustain itself over a period of time because what we are preaching we should be doing in our own business model right Yeah, okay, that that's a fantastic stay, and I had uh, also interviewed um, Dr. V. Premnath, and that's how they are sort of building in you know, journey in 2015 when you uh, conceived the idea, and I think 2016 is when you started officially. So, which policy policy measures you you, uh, you feel taken by the government apart from some of them in the startup India, which we are aware about, which you think has really enabled you to sort of grow in your endeavor in in, in the short impact space? See. Uh, government policy uh, for promoting innovation and entrepreneurship is positive right uh, some of the schemes that department of science and technology and birec dgt have uh, create a very encouraging environment for uh, for startups what i what i really like is you know there are there are certain grants that government gives uh, to startups even before they can reach uh, incubation seed capital and that's wonderful because a grant allows you to uh, get some capital without diluting any stake so we encourage innovators and entrepreneurs to first explore all the avenues of grants which are uh, you know simpler and and non dilutive and then get incubated uh, uh, for seed capital right okay. uh, and then raise money from outside so uh, you know i think i think uh, there are there is a nice infrastructure across the country now you have number of incubators you have lab space you have seed capital providers i what i what i think is now required uh, is private sector participation right i think private sector needs to step in government definitely has done its job from yeah, the policy standpoint yeah. and private sector needs to step in. because if we don't promote entrepreneurship we will not be able to create the right number of jobs that this country needs considering uh, the size of our population today it's true and i think the csr rule the 2% you think that should enable some amount of moment to come in i think that certainly needs a push yeah yeah, yeah. corporate india yeah, yeah. corporate i i wish corporate csr money gets deployed little more strategically mm-hmm. by you know working with people like us who are creating a pool of resources and then deploy rather than every corporation doing their csr in a in a at a, a on a stand alone basis without really getting visibility into what's happening with the csr money across the country i think pooling mechanism is really powerful and the way you see venture capital private equity world is a pooling model right you get money mm-hmm. from rich people 
create a pool and then deploy in the most attractive opportunities i think csr needs to follow the same model where csr money gets pooled into yeah, common pool and, and then so. these funds then take up the most you know uh, uh, attractive innovations and then invest in them Yeah, maybe ESG could be a uh, sort ESG of a fantastic. Yeah, you're talking. This is absolutely. Uh, so in India, yeah. we're trying to do that. You know, India Health Fund is focusing on TB and malaria elimination through innovation. So where Tata Trust has given India Health Fund a seed grant, and then India Health Fund is going to other foundations and individuals and asking them, uh, you know, to contribute further. And over a period of time, the idea is India Health Fund would become a large pool of capital. from csr from philanthropy from retail and 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 uh, foundations and and then it would deploy uh, for the most important uh, you know causes international actors you know multilateral institutions charitable institutions like gates is there rockefeller is there you think they are now started coming in india and giving money more into the space that's increase that's a huge segment again we could a lot of international foundations are doing amazing work Uh, they are, uh, uh, you know, identifying uh, non-profits in India and working through them. Uh, it's it's a great opportunity for you know a large number of non-profits to understand uh, the the model with which international foundations you know support implementation in India. Uh, our approach is slightly different. We build the programs and then approach international foundations. and demonstrate to them that we understand india problems very clearly uh, through our grassroots level connect and experience we build programs we find indian money for those programs and then ask international foundations to come and supplement that so we have skin in the game right so we always go to uh, our funders with skin in the game approach where we would have invested time money effort everything in curating problem statement designing the programs Uh, and and even you know doing the initial investments to demonstrate that the impact can be delivered and and that's why a large number of corporations for the csr as well as international foundations like social alpha because we don't just go asking for money right we we ask we ask them to pick uh, you know products from our portfolio and then put money there thanks So you talk about this lot of portfolio companies. Now you have something like Tactopus, uh, which is creating you know multi-sensory tech-enabled experience for people with uh, visual dis- disabilities. I uh, myself you know taught in a visually impaired school also. So when you are selecting so many of different uh, companies, you apply a framework. What would be the major framework parameters which you look at? One, of course, I understand they have to be sustainable. They have skin in the game. You talked about they have to be very compassionate, very empathy. These are things. Anything, something more. So first of all, you know, most important part is what is the entrepreneur's motivation? Not why they are doing it? Right? What is driving them? Right? Someone working in uh, you know building solution for disability. So what is what is the driver? Right? Uh, we look at uh, what impact you are creating. What is your driver? Uh, what where is the innovation, right? Uh, what kind of impact you are creating? Uh, do you have a skin in the game, right? Where how have you invested so far, right? Have you bootstrapped or somebody has ap- approached you? And your ability to execute and remain, you know, 
focused on your mission for a long duration so perseverance persistence patience these are some of the characteristics that that we you know that we really watch for uh, and yeah you know at the at the end of it uh, very few people really sustain in this space so you know it would be great if you can see more entrepreneurs coming to social impact space building new products and solutions and taking those solutions to market establishing product market fit very early is very important okay so that's one uh, idea since very little money is available in this space you cannot be experimenting all the time so building a minimum viable product is very important at what level you establish product market fit and when do you go to market do you have a product roadmap and then associated questions come up right so mvp product market fit and and go to market strategy these are some some of the important thing uh, you have to think about them very early when you are building the product and not as an after thought of you know you have built the product and now you are searching for a market that luxury is not there that's true so do, do you also feel scalability is a part of what you look at very early or on but you are very comfortable with that it's okay it comes yeah, see scale can come from a linear scalability where you know you are successful so you sell more and implement more scale can also come from the fact that you have created a model that can be replicated by others so we are we are okay with that i think creating the impact model is important and then scale is scale is basically uh, at the end of it you know is an is a function of how much money you can invest and whether you have the right execution capability for scale so once you have proven the model then you know you can try with various scale scaling approaches yeah okay so that, that that's really uh, you know that thank thank you for sharing uh, some of the insights now uh, you know in one of the earlier podcasts i've heard like you talked a lot about social alpha's corporate culture and i think this is where you're doing a fantastic job you're creating something very different something unique very flat hierarchy where nobody is a manager everybody is pointing to each other So this is a long time back. I read a book, Maverick, which now had a huge impact. I heard what you're doing. It sort of connected so much deeply with me because this is something which even I want to do. You know, have a uh, influence in your philosophy when you're building the startup and how you plan. Several books, books and companies have yeah. influenced Maverick is one among them, mm-hmm. of course. Yes, and and you know they had very uh, innovative HR policy uh, and they ran it like a you know true democracy mm-hmm. uh, in recent years i have heard a lot about netflix though i have not seen their work okay. continuously but i have heard a lot about them see that the, the trick is uh, how do you create an organization that is working with empathy for social impact but it retains its culture of performance and mm-hmm. delay outcome delivery right so you don't want a performance management system but you don't want to say that chalta hai <laughs> yeah you get my point yeah. so at the same time how do you create an organization where nobody tells you to do what you are supposed to do but you know it right so an organization where where people take pride in their work uh, where 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 people have empowerment to take decisions uh, but once you have power to take decision you should also have the courage and humility to take the responsibility for the outcome of those decisions right 
So accountability is extremely important. So I always encourage people to take decisions. And I tell them after that, if you have taken the decision, if something goes wrong, you also own it. Right? The the fear of failure is not there. Right? So we have removed that. We uh, we also believe that people who are motivated and who are there because they are they want to be there. They are there out of choice, not because they need a job and this is the only job they could get. They have choice but they prefer to work in this environment. They love what they are doing at work. They love the fact that they are creating impact. That is very important, right? And, and then the governance should be self-governing. If I am competent and capable individual working in a company, why do I need a manager to tell me 24 by 7 what I am supposed to do and what I am not supposed to do? Right? You don't hire smart people and then keep telling them what to do. So self-governance is extremely important for creating that kind of an organizing culture. So I'm not I'm not saying we are perfect, but I think we are we are definitely trying it out. Maybe you attract people uh, who have been in social sector, and you know a lot of people, a lot of millennials nowadays, uh, they really want to be in and doing the doing some work which they feel there's a there's a purpose for them, and I think that could be one of the reasons, one core reasons. You also attract people who are very self-driven, uh, very powerful. People who are self-driven, and a lot of our people are very young, you know, just out of college, twenty year, twenty year old, twenty one year old, yeah. and some people are like my age group as well. And you know, we attract people, no doubt about it. And we we give people, you know, full transparent download on how we work what the culture is and how we are. I keep saying in our internal meeting that we are a perfect anarchy because very little, you know, scope for rules and processes. But despite that, we create a symphony, right? So how do you create symphony out of an anarchy is something that your organization structure and culture should permit. You also are heading the India Health Fund, which is a collaborative initiative by Tata Trust and the Global Fund. And you, like rightly mentioned, you want to end tuberculosis by 2025, malaria by 2030 from India. Now, Gates Foundation is one of those pre- uh, predominantly, you know, the foundation which is actually targeting these areas. So, would you like to share here your work in India? How does it, you know, what sort of impact you have been creating? In this? So, India Health Fund is entirely, you know, it's, it's completely different organization, nothing to do with social alpha. India Health Fund was created by Tata Trust. I am an advisor to Tata Trust and, you know, they asked me to, you know, uh, run India Health Fund. So, I am doing that and at some point of time, I will hand it over uh, by identifying a seat. And India Health Fund charter is to work in TB, malaria and infectious diseases. Uh, it's an innovation fund, focused again focused on taking innovation to the regulatory and clinical pathways uh, and then injecting them in the health system, whether public system or private system. Uh, India Health Fund uh, has a separate team, a separate charter. It's a completely different legal entity. Uh, and India Health Fund is not into entrepreneurship. Because it can find entrepreneurs or NGOs or government organizations to implement 
uh, its focus is on supplying innovative solutions uh, to all the st stakeholders who are working on our fight against TB and malaria. So you here implement in uh, projects, you, you invest in projects or in companies which are directly involved in that. So space. what we do in India Health Fund, we do, uh, you know, create problem statements, you know, in, in these diseases. <clears throat> they could be in diagnosis, they could be in prevention, they could be in treatment, uh, you know, they could be in public health space. We uh, then we search for innovations and encourage innovators to solve these problem statements. Uh, we give them grants, and with those grants, they uh, you know uh, deliver on those products. So, yeah. huge uh, you know a large partnership with uh, government, uh, private sector, public sector, and international organizations. And among all the uh, actors, which one would you say is, is the most smooth to work with? And sometimes. Which one it's not that smooth to work with? So, see, but the approach we have taken in India Health Fund is a consultative approach. So, what we do before we, so we, before we fund, we first get all the stakeholders for a day or two. And through a stakeholder consultation exercise, we curate problem statements, which are, which, which basically there is a consensus among stakeholders that these problem statements need to be addressed. And then, these stakeholders are from various sectors, including government and private sector, right? Then they all commit that, yes, we, are, we all have to play a role in taking these innovations to market. Where India Health Fund brings in money for, you know, enabling these innovations to go to market. At the same time, other players bring in their strength, right? So, uh, so it's, a, it's a very powerful collective responsibility mechanism that is convened under India Health Fund and it so far working well. It's been only, you know, less than two years actually. Uh, I took over India Health Fund in August 2018. So we have made some progress. We have about, uh, you know, 12 uh, innovations uh, in our funding portfolio. And we are raising more capital for India Health Fund. Yeah. And, you, and you think you'll be able to sort of uh, get to the vision which you have? It's very achievable. That's what I see. Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult. So the work we are doing in India Health Fund is difficult, but achievable. Yeah. And uh, now finally to the last question. Thanks a lot. You know, you have been very patient. You have answered so many questions. Uh, now, when I go back, uh, what would be that one aha moment? You, know, you have done so much in life, especially in the social sector space. My, my, I have these aha moments, you know, all the time because every time I see a new entrepreneur with a new idea, uh, and a desire to work with social alpha, you know, that's the aha moment. So I have this program that, you know, I've been focusing on. It's called Entrepreneur in Residence Program. Mm -hmm. So I I met last year two guys from IIT Delhi who have not taken the placement and they wanted to be entrepreneur working in sustainable consumption space. And I said, oh, why didn't I meet you earlier? You know, we just brought, brought them in and they started working on their idea. I have, a, you know, so, you know, that meeting these young people who want to change the world and create impact and want to be entrepreneurs, right? So, using entrepreneurial solutions to solve India's problem is something that people want to do and, you know, finding them and supporting them, uh, is, is, you know, that, that's the most satisfying thing. So, we, so once, in, once in a month, if you see 
suddenly someone with a spark and uh, you know a desire to do something that's what the aha moment is i am i'm 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 very confident that our country will get into a growth and transformation trajectory when more and more people would want to become entrepreneurs and instead of just looking for a job they start creating job for other people as well so from job seeker to job creator transition that will happen and within that there will be different types of entrepreneurs there will be traders there will be shopkeepers there will be small and you know medium enterprises there will be micro entrepreneurs you know there will be retailers big corporations but our focus is on a subset of these entrepreneurs the science and technology entrepreneurs science and technology entrepreneurs are not many right so search, searching them giving them a message that yes there is an ecosystem that can support them and helping them go to market is something that we would like to continue to do thanks and also you have a fantastic uh, uh, you know initiative where you reach out to the world you have a quest which is where you come out you look for so as i mentioned earlier we curate problem statements so once we have problem statements curated by experts and entrepreneurs and innovators then we know that these problem need to be solved then we run grand challenges which are called quests and through this quest we are able to get you know sometimes 100 to 200 applications for each quest then they go through evaluation process so again multi- multiple experts and the selected ones join either our incubation program or our accelerator program so thanks manoj i think uh, you know you are doing something which is very superlative that's what i feel and i wish you all the very best i'm trading entrepreneurs especially social entrepreneurs is something which india really needs and um, there's a huge thrust now around the world that's what i see in abroad everywhere like it's going so impact so thanks a lot thank you for sharing time and you know talking thank to you me. nisan nice talking to you wish you all the best for your venture uh, thanks and keep in touch